so grab out your Bibles, um, or if you don't have a paper Bible with you, you can ask the person next to you, or uh, head along to BibleGateway.com. We're reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. All right, verse 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by the, from who, from, sorry, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. I especially want to give a, a special shout out to you if, if you're starting university this year. Is there anyone starting university this year? No? <laughs> I've said it a week too early, but it, look, if, uh, if you're not here tonight watching online by any chance, or perhaps uh, you are here but you're a little shy to put your hand up, I'd understand. I'd, I'd want to say, welcome to Uni Church. I remember eight, eight years ago, I sat in the place that you would be right now, about to start my, my uni semester. And I can tell you that the, the last eight years with Uni Church have been a blast. I've, I've grown like crazy in that time. I've, I've made so many friends. And it's, so it's my hope and our hope here. Uh, that you'll have a similar experience, you'll get to know heaps of people, you'll have heaps of fun, you'll learn a lot, you'll grow a lot, uh, but most of all, my, my hope is that you'll get to know the very person who created you and has done something to save you. His name's Jesus, if, if you've not heard of him before, but if you have heard of him before, it's my hope that you would get to, to know him even more and love him even more uh, in, in the years that you're here at uni. Uh, well, in March last year, the BBC released this article describing how tens of millions of people were flocking to books amidst the new chaos of coronavirus. Paper copies were flying off the shelves at record rates, and e-books were seeing over 400% growing sales week on week. Experts, after thinking about it, put the renewed popularity of these books coming, uh, being used again and again to the phenomenon of escapism, especially given the global pandemic. See, in the midst of an ever-changing stressful and stressful life circumstances, what people were wanting were effective ways of distracting themselves from the world around them. What more and more people so craved was to escape and being honest, that's something that books do really, really well, don't they? See, books allow us to take a journey out of the ordinary into the extraordinary, out of the real world and into the realm of the imagination. And see, not just novels. Novels don't just have the ability to do this. All kinds of stories, films, poems, even comics are really good at taking us out of our own reality to hide away in fictional worlds. What they allow us to do is escape from the monotonous or sometimes even painful moments of our life and give us some relief from the things about our life that intimidate or even at times terrify us. And see, the great stories, 
Well, they allow us to escape from the very beginning, don't they? So here are a few examples if you want to look up on the screen. In a hole in the ground, then lived the Hobbit. Or how about some Star Wars? In a galaxy far, far away. Or a bit of Franz Kafka. As Gregor Samsa awoke one morning from an uneasy dream, he found himself transformed in his bed into an enormous cockroach. So even children's stories do this. Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits, and their names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter, from Peter Rabbit by Beatrix Potter. And look, I don't know if the thought has, has come by you, but you would have to wonder sometimes, do Christians have a similar sort of escapism when it comes to the Bible? Is the Bible just a story? Is it just another fictional tale full of talking animals and virgin births, miracles and eternal life? Is the Bible Christianity's preferred story for escapism? Christianity's way of coping with their fear of death or their fear of life, their own life not having any purpose? Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to see that the Bible has a different story to tell. Not an escapist story of hobbits in holes or galaxies far, far away, but a story that actually happened. But to do this, we're going to be spending some time in the book of Luke. Luke's one of the biographies, one of the four biographies of Jesus' life and ministry. And as we carefully read through, we're going to see something special. We're going to see that Luke is more than just a story. No, what Luke is doing is writing history. And as we look at Luke closely, as we read it closely, it's worth pointing out two attitudes that we want to avoid as we read through the Gospel of Luke for ourselves. The first one that we want to avoid is gullibility. Reading the Bible isn't a mindless activity. It's not about just blindly believing. Look, as we read through Luke, bring questions, ask questions, Ask as many questions as you can think of. That is, read Luke with a critical mind. But see, the second thing we want to avoid when reading through Luke is cynicism. Cynicism is, if you don't know, is the attitude that assumes that what is written can't be true because you have already assumed that the source or the author is suspicious and untrustworthy. Look, don't throw away your questions. Don't uh, don't adopt gullibility, but be open to what's being written actually being true. Be open-minded. In fact, why not go one step further as we read through Luke's Gospel and put yourselves in the shoes of Theophilus? See, that's who Luke's Gospel is originally written to. We don't know too much about Theophilus, apart from the fact that he likely wasn't a Jew. The name's a bit of a giveaway, but He's much more likely a Roman leader, a foreigner to Judaism, someone probably quite important, maybe a Roman centurion. But here, Luke writes to Theophilus to let him know he has carefully investigated everything about Jesus, the claims about his death and resurrection, his life and his ministry, and he's written it down for him. In fact, let's read how Luke puts it in his own words. He says... With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, 
I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he says to him that he can be certain of the things that he's previously heard about this Jesus guy. He can be certain about the things that he has heard because Luke, as he puts it carefully, has investigated everything from the beginning. Luke's claim here is that he's attempted to accurately record history. He's attempted to record history with objective facts about Jesus' life. But how did Luke come to writing his Gospel? How do we know that we can trust what Luke wrote down? Well, the first thing that we want to look at to determine whether Luke can be trusted are his sources. As far as we know, Luke never met Jesus in person, so he would have needed to rely on information about Jesus that was given to him by others. And funnily enough, Luke is quite open about where he gets his information from. In fact, there's three things that Luke tells Theophilus about his sources. Let's have a look at Luke uh, verses 1 and 2 and see if you can spot them. He says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. So the first thing we see about Luke's sources was that there were many in verse 1, we're told that many people had written about Jesus previously. We actually have four unique records of Jesus' life in the New Testament alone, including the Gospel of Luke. But we also have historical writings about Jesus from other sources, outside the Bible. Josephus, a well-known and famous Jewish historian, mentions Jesus as a historical figure multiple times in his writings. So, Luke isn't the only person writing about Jesus. In fact, he has all kinds of people to get his information from. The second thing we see about Luke's sources, though, was that they were eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses of Jesus' life. People like Matthew and Mark. People like the disciples who followed Jesus and lived with him for many years and who were able to speak to others about what they experienced and saw. Luke was in the position to talk to the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, because the eyewitnesses were still alive. In fact, what's cool is that Luke actually records for us how he got to know Jesus' disciples in Acts, the other book that he wrote. In Acts, Luke tells us about visiting Jerusalem and meeting the apostles in person. You see, Luke may not have met Jesus himself, but he did meet the next best thing, he met the men who travelled and lived and listened to and watched Jesus for years. The third thing, though, we see about Luke's sources is that they were servants of the Word. What this means is that these were other Christians who had investigated Jesus' life. These were the people that were so convinced of who Jesus claimed to be that they gave up their careers to let others know about Jesus as well. But see, if you're thinking, if you're being critical, this actually raises another question, doesn't it? Look, even if there were lots of sources, even if there were eyewitnesses of Jesus, even if they were all convinced that Jesus is who He claims to be, 
surely Luke and all his sources could still have been biased? And it's a good question. Now, uh, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with Ron Burgundy uh, from Anchorman. How many of you guys are familiar with Ron Burgundy? A few? Oh, guys, you've, you've got to get more familiar with it. But uh, yeah, Ron Burgundy, this is his autobiography. It's called Let Me Off at the Top, My Classy Life and Other Musings. Now, what a name for an autobiography, hey? Uh, now, this isn't some form of book recommendation. Basically, the whole book is one long brag about how good his life is, full of embellished stories and self-praise. Don't you just love the audacity on that cover there to do a self-endorsement like that? I wrote a hell of a book. <laughs> Never mind the claim to have made up a made-up award. Actually, what I love even more is the disclaimer at the start of the book. Check it out. This is what Ron Burgundy says. He says, every word of this book is true. You can fact-check most of it, but much of it lives within my brain. Fortunately for you, my memory is infallible. With the exception of people, places, situations and dialogue, I'm like a walking encyclopedia of facts. You might as well chisel this baby in stone because what you are holding is perfect, unchallengeable chronicle of American history and personal narrative. You're welcome. Now, as biased as clearly as Ron Burgundy's book is, it's just a joke. But it does raise the question about whether Luke and his friends and the other disciples could be biased. More than that, how all the Bible writers could have been biased. Could it be that Luke and the other Gospels are one big made-up brag about the God they followed and the religion that they held to? Could Luke's sources just be a carefully selected group of people who all shared the same agenda and who were committed to coming up with a convincing story? Were they all merely cross-referencing one another, giving each other mutual endorsements for the validity of what they wrote? Well, the first thing to say is that there are, a heap, there are a whole heap of really strong reasons to believe that Luke and the other Gospels are accurately recording history. This is actually something that our Life Series does a fantastic job of doing. We actually spend a whole week looking at the historicity of the Bible. So, if you've come tonight with questions about the historical reliability of the Bible, then can I say, come along to the Life Series... Maybe ask the friend who brought you tonight or head along to the Connect Point to find out about how you can get along to life. But see, the other thing to say is that there are reasons outside of history to believe the Bible. See, unlike Ron Berg in his book, the Bible does actually have an infallible mind behind it. Luke and other Bible authors may have all been fallible humans, yes, but the author behind the authors is not. See, the incredible thing about the Bible is that though it was written down by humans, human authors, people not all that different from you and I, God was actually at work through them, making sure that the words they wrote down was what He wanted them to write down, that the words that they wrote down would be true. This is how Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, talked about how God was writing through authors like himself and Luke. He says, 
For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, first of all, Peter reinforces that he and many of the other writers of the New Testament were eyewitnesses of Jesus and were writing as people that were totally convinced that Jesus was who he claimed to be. But see, the second thing that we see is that the Bible authors, people like Peter and Luke, were not writing under their own influence, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That is that God was writing through them, not as puppets or robots, but rather God was using their own personalities and their own experience to write down exactly what He wanted them to say, even as they wrote it down in in their own way and in their own style. That is, that the author behind the authors was at work through Peter and through Luke to make sure that what was written would be 100% true, even as the human authors were fallible. Look, friends, if you're looking for a reason to trust what you read in the Bible, if you're looking for a reason to believe what the Gospel of Luke records, well, there is no greater reason than the fact that, breathe, that, that the God who breathed out the universe and who breathed life into every human being also breathed out His Word so that He might show you and I who He is and what He's done. That we might have every, conv- and that we might have every convincing reason to believe it. And see, if we do have every convincing reason to believe it, then that means how we think of and we approach the book of Luke in the rest of the Bible matters. It means that we can't approach it as a fictional book that we can just put away on the shelf. It's not a form of Christian escapism to avoid the reality of life and death. No, God's Word is tied to history. God's Word happens. It's real, and it affects our life now. And see, the biggest way that it affects our life now is that it shows us who God really is. See, God has a unique way of showing us who He is. Because if we're going to discover who God is from the Gospel of Luke, we need to discover who Jesus is from the Gospel of Luke. That is, that Jesus is the key to understanding who God is. So the question we must all ask is, who is Jesus? And look, over the next several weeks, that's exactly the question that we're going to be asking as we read through the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be confronted with the unfiltered, unedited Jesus of history as we're faced with the massive claims that He has on our lives and the lives of our world, past, present and future. Because one thing we can be sure of is that if Jesus is who Luke claims Him to be, then He is the one reality we can never be afforded to escape from. 
If Jesus is who Luke claims to be, then the reality is the great solution to our rebellion against sin has been dealt with in Jesus. The reality is that He did die in humanity's place to pay the price for our rebellion and He really does offer forgiveness of sins and a fixed relationship with God and eternal life forever. And look, if you've come along tonight, but you're still not sure if you want a relationship with this Jesus yet, can I say, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you've come along to think about who Jesus is. Look, we hope that you keep coming along to Uni Church over the next few weeks, because we would love nothing more than to help you investigate Jesus more for yourself. Why not come along to the Life Series? Or why not start reading the Gospel of Luke, maybe with the friend who brought you here? Look, we'd love to help you in, in any way we can, because we really do believe that working out who Jesus is, is the most important thing you could ever do with your, with your life. Let's pray. Uh, Father, there are so many stories in this world Stories that move us out of our own reality and give us comfort in, in fantasy and imagination. And those may work for a while, but, but reality still is reality. Father, we thank you that your story is different. Thank you that, that your story is true, that it has real claims on history, it has real claims on the present, and it has real claims on the future, even our future. And Father, as confronting as this is for, really for all of us, as we wrestle with the claims that you have on our life, the claims that you make through the Gospel of Luke about Jesus and what he did, we pray that we would be open-minded to who he is, that we would be willing to change because of him, that we would love him more and know him more and cherish him more. We pray all these things for us knowing that you're able to help us. Amen.